0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Sicker Than Most. I'm your host Steve. We are out here in beautiful Santa Clara, California, with uh, with my new friend Dom. Here, uh, uh, he's a friend of a friend. We got him on the show, and he has an incredible story. Um, you know, he like myself uh, got sober at the ripe old age of nineteen years old. <laughs> And, um, you know, he's, um, he's currently at eight years of sobriety.
1: Yeah. Eight, I had eight years back in May, May 19th.
0: Oh, my sobriety date May 23rd. There you what go. Up? Gemini sobriety. Um, and, um, and yeah, he's got a great story. He's, uh, you know, he's going to bless us with his story, his, uh, his, um, experience, strength, and hope. And, um, you know, we're gonna have a good time. So without further ado, Dom, how's it going?
1: It's going well, man. It's a nice Sunday afternoon here. We're, uh.
0: I know this weather's killer, killer right now. Just got out of the pool, dude.
1: Can't beat it. Can't we're chilling. It. Yeah. It's you know, got it. Got some fresh coffee, and we're gonna we're gonna do some we're gonna do some sobriety work today. Which That's is nice. Right.
0: That's right. And now you have a, uh, you have uh, After the few minutes I just spoke with you prior to meeting you, um, you have a uh, very strong foundation in uh, twelve steps, mm-hmm. and um, and you know I obviously you wouldn't have the time you you have, if you, if you yeah. weren't, um, and, um, what kind of, like, what kind of led into you, you know, um, you know, your life prior to getting sober and, and how did, how did you stumble upon, you know? Yeah. AA
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the big thing for me is right. Like I always start anytime I like share my story with people, mm. um, even in you know, an audience, a chair, what have you, You know, I always start with like the five kind of like foundational things, right, of anybody's sobriety, which is I have a sobriety date, it's May 19th of 2012. I have a sponsor. He knows he's my sponsor, which means (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Which means, right? Like that means like I call him. He knows what's going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, good or bad, right? Like I'm not one of these people that like just calls and drops, you know, my latest disaster on my sponsor. Um (laughs) and then uh you know, and then, um, you know, I finished the 12 steps and I'm passing this message on, right? Like this is one vessel to do that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm in service. I'm involved in carrying this message, right? Because that's how I, that's how I give back.
0: Right. Absolutely. Just cause some, someone did it for you too. Yeah, exactly. Sure, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And, I, and I'll get into that when I talk about my sponsor a little bit, mm-hmm. and who he is as a man, but you know, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of dudes, right? Like, you know, you you hang around these rooms for a little while, you, you meet the people, right? Who, who basically get it and think they're cured and dip or, you know, the people who just come and like hang out at meetings and, you know, yeah, they're sober, but like they're, they're not giving back. Right. Even if, even if what the program has given them is, um, is a lot.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and it's, uh, you know, it's talked about so much in um you know in the in the recovery community about oh you can't uh, have what you what you got if you don't give it away right but um but then again it run we run into that problem of you know we're we're alcoholics right yeah. we're selfish self-centered self-seeking yeah, you know, yeah <laughs> you know exactly I mean? so it's not like and that's that's you know to my understanding that's the biggest reason why it's so important to give back is to get out of self be not live the way you, we were living for so long, right? you know, and, uh, do the opposite of what our, our alcoholism is trying yeah. to get us to do. Exactly. You know? So, um, how did, you know, how did, uh, how did life look like before you were drinking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, we, you know, I always kind of like to think of my story, right. What it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, growing up my, my family, you know, I was surrounded by alcoholism from an early age in my extended family, right? No one in my immediate family is an alcoholic, but, you know, grandpa's an alcoholic. Um, you know, I got some aunts and uncles in there, but then like, you know, I'm firmly, a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that this is truly, there is a genetic component to this disease. Right. Um, you know, people talk about nature versus nurture. Nurture definitely has a part. But there is some aspect of nature in that because, you know, looking at my family, you know, seven male cousins, I think you're realistically at like six for seven are like alcoholics. Right. Right. And that's just on my mom's side. And so, um, but, you know, growing up, there was never really a discussion about the disease as a disease, right? Like, cause I have older cousins, um,
0: how, how was it, how is it, uh, talked about, or was it even talked
1: about? It was, it was, was talked just... about that, like, oh, grandpa, grandpa is an alcoholic and like he doesn't drink or like, um, you know, and so some of like the antics he got up to, um, you know, were talked about, but it was never talked about in the context of disease and recovery. It was like, you know, talked about like the way, like, oh, someone had cancer and then like. They got over it, kind of thing.
0: It, it was never uh, talked about like it was like a choice, like oh he ch- he he chose to stop drinking, or right? He right. chose he. It was. It was more of as his choice. It was
1: yeah. It was just like oh the wreckage caught up to him, and so like he was able to stop. And like we all knew, kind of like Grandpa went to AA for a while, but like mm. there was never there was never like a message like despite being sobriety in the family, there was never a message of like. This is what ongoing, healthy recovery looks like. Right. And on the flip Gr- side, grandpa never talked to you guys about that either. No, 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 no. Okay. And so as there's like the shame factor, right. And so you never, there was the, you know, you know, it, and to this day in my, in my extended family, right. There was never a, uh, how do I say this? There's never a, there's, there's no admittance, right. That there's like a family wide problem with this still still even though it's still a like a choice like these people
0: chose to well yeah
1: yeah or or people just don't talk about it right like that's like that's the thing right it's just like it's this like elephant in the room Mm -hmm. and you know um but you know growing up right i have these older cousins who you know got into a lot of different wild shit you know some of them are like you know 40 right i'm 28 so you know there's a pretty good age gap there especially Mm -hmm. when you're younger and so, you know, hearing about like the wild shit my cousins were getting up to, it was never like, you know, this person's an active disease. This person, you know, has the family, Kurt, whatever you have.
0: Right. Like, was there ever like a, um, like a codependent, like, uh, just like ignoring it or, or, or down, downplaying it kind of thing. Or was it more of like a shun them? Like, Oh, they're they was, can't stop drinking they're a bad person.
1: It was it wasn't like it wasn't like oh they're a bad person but it was like oh they're making stupid choices. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Like you know, and the the message was don't do drugs you'll end up like so and so. Right? But there was never a discussion of like you know, um you know, hey, listen, like you you like the odds say that you will not be able to drink and do drugs normally because X, Y, and Z, right? Like we have this family, like this shit runs strong in the family. Right. Um And so that was that was something that like it it never made sense to me, right? Because growing up, especially when, you know, old school, you know, that side of the family's Irish Catholic, right? So it's like um you know, you, you learn to drink at home. Right. And you know, it, you you know, you handle your liquor and you know, the, in the house and you learn to do that and then you drink like a gentleman outside is is the idea um, you know, (laughs) results show that's not the, that's not, (laughs) that's not what happened, but, you know, um, and so, you know, it was, there was kind of a mixed message there, and, um, but, you know, the long and short of it is when I got to that age, right, where, like, the drinking really kicked, like, you know, middle school, 12, 13, whatever, you know, a little wine with dinner or whatever, but, like, you know, in, in high school, right. My cousins and I started partying and you know, it was in the family, but we were at one of our aunt or uncle's house or they were at my house. And you know, our parents would be like, Oh, you can have two beers. And it was like, you know, we should have known then that it was like, what's the point of two beers? You know? Right. Like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) would you ever, would you ever just like have keep a beer in your hand at all times and just tell them that, Oh yeah, this is just my first beer.
1: Oh no, we would just, we would just like, Drink like our two beers, and then our parents would go to bed, and we just clean out the liquor cabinet. Oh. I mean, like, <laughs> right? Or yeah. like drink all the beer in the house because.
0: Right. And there was no there was no sense of of danger at that time. No, like that this could be this could lead to a problem. Like the, your your uh behavior towards alcohol could lead to a problem, right? It no. just was normalized.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it was it was just like, oh, okay, you know, and uh, and so there, like like you said, it was just normalized. There was never anything. And then, you know, kind of, you know, building through high school, right? uh, You know, I started drinking more and more, right? And then I found weed. And what what I kind of realized was, you know, and this is, you know, a little bit hindsight is 2020, but marijuana became my drug of choice, because when I started drinking, it kind of instinctively, I knew all the bets were off, right? And so sometimes it was fine. I drank 10 beers, played Xbox all night, woke up, and I was 17. Like, there was no such thing as a fucking hangover, you right. know? Like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so there was that. But then there were other times, right, where, like, stupid shit happened. Um, you know, uh, me and my cousins were getting fucking hammered, and then we realized at, like, 1 in the morning that we're out of beer. And of course, you know, like a good alcoholic at 17, I have a fake ID. And so nice. um, Right. And that's like part of the insanity, right? Like I fucking made my own fake ID.
0: Wow. Like I like, that's pretty impressive for a 17 year old. Like I
1: learned, like I learned Gimp well enough, like, you know, free Photoshop, right? I learned that well enough to make like, not a great one. But But like, got the job done, right? Exactly, right? Now, was it, was it, uh, California? Was it, yeah, no, it was California. I scanned in my driver's license and then just like, um, basically, ironically, because I had like gotten a D in like a, in an English class, I had to go make it up at the community college because it was an AP class. So I had to go Mm -hmm. make it up at the community college during the summer. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that like all of like the, the nice printers in the community college library, Ah, so like and they had like the print cards right Right. that are just like plain white plastic and so i shaved one of those down and then i just like you know i mean the barcode i mean it wouldn't have swiped it wouldn't have scanned right right but like from the front because you could print a transparency layer and then like do your image and then get it onto the card you, you know, go. it was good enough, right? Like I said, it so was so good any enough.
0: listeners who need to know how to make a fake ID, <laughs> now you know. Community college printers, way to go. <laughs> and so, so with that, you uh, you were able to kind of fuel. A, oh, lot, a, lot, a lot more of the drinking with that. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and just, isn't that funny too? How instead of like being like a seventeen-year-old, like how our minds think, right? Like the regular seventeen-year-old is like you know just just playing video games having yeah. having a couple beers if they are drinking at right. all right instead you're like uh yeah making a fake ID so exactly. using all of your brain power mm-hmm. into into oh using the printer and then getting like the, the um software on the computer and editing exactly. and everything like that scanning it in yeah. printing multiple layers on this card so <laughs> shaving exactly it right. down you know so
1: it was like but it became this thing right and then i had it and now i was right like now you're set now i but now i was the king right that's right Because I could, you know, right? Like I could get booze for whoever, right? I knew the stores that like knew me and would would accept it. And so, um, but anyway, back to that, like, you know, one story of like the first time we did something really dumb, um, right? We had been drinking and parents had gone to bed and we were like, oh, well, we need more beer because it was only like one in the morning. And so we drive over to this, like liquor store in South San Jose from where my parents' house is, and uh, you know, buy beer, you know, whatever, cheap beer. And, you know, I was a little I, I, I shouldn't have been driving, put it that way. And allegedly driving. Allegedly. Well I think I think Statue of Limitations is probably long sailed on this story, well, but there
0: you go. Um he was driving, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, uh I came home with a bush on the back of the car. Oh, nice. So I like better,
0: better than blood on the front of the car, though. Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> but that was an interesting, you know, conversation the next morning when uh, when my mom was. Like, oh, and you didn't even know there was a bush on that. No, bed. no, no. Oh shit! So my mom like comes. I want to know how you
0: got out of this one. What was your What was your excuse? We went to
1: McDonald's. Oh, there you go. Like, keep it simple, stupid, right? That's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, right. So that was like the first time we did something dumb, right? And then you know, to keep the story moving here, basically the consequences continued to stack up. I stopped giving really any semblance of a fuck about school. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so my grades were, were on the down, but, um, I was holding it together enough to pass and, you know, uh, most of my classes anyway. And, uh, anyway, the, it, it comes to a head. I mean, there was some dumb stuff in there, like, I got messed up. I decided to go, like, longboarding with my friends, broke my wrist, right? That was, like, the first time, like, you know, alcohol had ever, like, landed me in the hospital, mm-hmm. Um, you know? And then it, I, I had my shit enough together to graduate high school, right? At, like, skin of my teeth, but I did it, and my grades been good enough to get me into Sonoma State. And so this is, like, I graduated high school. I already had my medical marijuana card, right? So I was stoned. Um, I was involved in other, you know, illicit activities surrounding that. And, uh, you know, I partied that entire summer. Just I had a good-paying job that, like, gave plenty of cash tips and showed up. I mean, I had, like, no savings, right, by the time I even moved into school because I was just... Uh, you had more important things to spend it on exactly yeah. right you know 100 percent. gas weed booze let's get it yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh and so the 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 first night i was at sonoma state one of my older cousins went there her, uh, you know she's a couple years older than me she was like junior or senior i forget but and her boyfriend was in a fraternity and uh she's like you know hey you're coming out with us right and i'm like I guess that's what we do, you know? Mm. And so we go out and it wasn't my first blackout, but I blacked out and, uh, woke up in like the backyard of some like college fucking party house miles from campus. And, uh, mind you, this is 2011. So like You're teleporting and time traveling. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, and this is 2011. So like Uber's not even really a thing yet. Right. So I actually went actually put me in a legit cab. Wow. And, uh, and stuffed me in there and was like taken back to campus. Mm. Right. And so like, somehow I like got it together to like get into my room and like, you know, crash. And uh, like I, my shit wasn't even unpacked yet. Right. And I already blacked out <laughs> and like, you know, um,
0: time traveled and teleported.
1: Yeah. And so it, to, to not, you know, completely destroy this, right. The next nine, 10 months, whatever you want to call it, that school year, right. Was, um, you know, basically just a straight descent into degeneracy. So it just, that,
0: that first night was your, 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 your setting the bar. And then from that point on, it was just constant. Yeah. Yeah. There
1: was just no, you know, riskier and riskier behaviors surrounding drugs and alcohol um, tried a lot of new drugs, um, had some really gnarly experiences with a lot of new drugs. Um, you know, started really picking up an Adderall habit cause this was before they kind of took that off the market. And so there were a lot of kids with ADHD that were like, you know, Oh, Hey man, like, you know, I'll trade you some of that, some of the weed out of that giant bag you've got there for like my entire month's prescription of Adderall. And I yeah, was like, why not? I was like, fuck, yeah, this is like what's letting me stay up and like pass classes and like, you know, or pretend to and like, you know, um, drink a lot more to it, it. exactly, yeah. and, you know, and stay real fucked up. Um, and so that was right, like, and, you know, it was just hanging out with sketchier and sketchier people going to crazier and crazier lengths to acquire drugs, use drugs, um, and you know, got kicked out of the same fraternity twice over the course of that year. Um, the one, the, one,
0: the first one you started partying with. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, twice. So they let you back in.
1: Yeah, exactly. They made the mistake of letting you back in. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, nice. So yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was an interesting one. Um, yeah. The second time was actually, this is a, this is a good, uh, it's one of the good gory stories that I won't get in trouble for. Um, basically right i had already been let back in right so i've been kicked out of a drinking club for drinking too much and then they let me back in and so this is like second semester right i'm like my my occupation may as well have been like full-time shitbag and like phd yeah exactly pothead degree (laughs) um and so this me and one of my boys right there's some chick's birthday and like or we're over there. It's just like, it's a whole, like, it's like a sketchy crew of people like who aren't even all going to Sonoma. Like one of the dudes that was partying with us at that point was just like a dude that had gotten kicked out a couple years before for, you know, being one of us basically. Uh-huh. Um, and mind you, at this point I'm on academic probation. Cause like I had like a 1.5 GPA my first semester of college. Nice. Um, nice. And then uh, <laughs> there's that PhD we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. And so, Right, this is, like, we're we're getting fucked up, and this dude is, you know, basically, he's just, like, hanging out in, like, if anyone has ever been to Rohnert Park, California, it's, like, kind of a, like, half the town is just, like, a methy trailer park, and the other half is, like, college students, and then there's, like, a little pocket of it that's, like, a suburb of Santa Rosa. Yeah. Well, suburb of Petaluma and Santa Rosa, it's weird, but mind you, there's not much going on there. And so this dude, um, you know, and... In, this dude basically makes his money selling the hard stuff to college students. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of dudes I knew that had like grow houses and like, like big grows because it's Northern California. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, knowing a college junior or senior with a 40 plant grow was totally normal to me. Mm. Um, it's a good little operation. Yeah. I mean, right. And so it's like, but these were the kind of people I was hanging out with. Right. Like the school was a tertiary concern you know like um and so anyway this dude offers me some zans and i'm like yeah sure right and like you know and like any you know anyway i i take the zans whatever happens happens and the next morning i wake up and my phone is just blown up like 37 missed calls text messages and i'm like what in the fuck is going on (laughs) did someone's about right (laughs) die right you know. Then normally, right, like you, know, you you do some debaucherous shit, and you know you wake up to a few missed calls and some texts. Like, dude, you were fucking up last night, you know. But this was like next level. Thirty seven—that's a good number, dude. Fuck. Yeah, and I, I remember that too because I was like thirty seven missed calls, and I was like, what the fuck? And so I <laughs> I call him. One of them was the president of the fucking fraternity, and so I call him I'm like, what what what's going on? He's like, dude, there's a video of you just absolutely whooping some dude last night. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? So anyway, I guess, like, me and this dude started arguing. Mind you, I'm – this isn't video, but for a little, like, idea, right? I'm 5'4", and at, like, this point, I'm like (laughs) – Right, like, now I'm, like, 145, 150, so I'm not, like, skinny, skinny, but I'm not a big dude at all, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, right, I was so sucked up. I was, like, 5'4", 120 pounds, <laughs> the twi- right? And, like, <laughs> a stiff breeze would have knocked me over. And anyway, I guess, like, I was on all the bars, and, like, this dude started arguing with my boy about, like, giving him a cigarette or something. So I decided the right, like, course of action was to tackle this, like, 5'10", 190-pound dude through this chick's like living room furniture and just get on top of him and just fucking beat the shit out of him. That sounds like Xanax. Exactly. Right. You know, right. (laughs) We've all seen the recovery meme pages where it's like one Xanny bar. I'm going to fight a cop, right? Like this, (laughs) you know, same idea. But anyway, it was on video Mm -hmm. and that was it. They were like, no, you cannot be on video Brutally assaulting people,
0: like. So so they, they, they. The second time, the second time, that was the last. That was that
1: was it. They were just like, "You're done, dude." Just, you know. Um. And so, anyway, right? Just you know, shitbaggery continues, and the the I'll I'll get to where the bottom of the story is, and you know, I'm I'm the benders are getting longer, right? Um, I hate myself more and more, and. So the week before Cinco de Mayo, right? I go on an epic bender. Uh, you know, time traveling, teleportation. Is this the Cinco de Mayo before you got sober? Yeah, exactly. Like was so, it like a week, two like, weeks? Two weeks before you got two sober? weeks before I get uh, before I actually get sober, right? So this is you know April thirtieth to like May fourth, right? You know, four or five. I don't even know really how long it was. I'm just approximating, right? Right. And uh, anyway, I go on this prodigious bender. And, uh, you know, my whole thing, right, because I was already failing all of my classes at this point. My whole thing was like, I'm going to show up to these classes and, like, take the final and do it, right? Because that's how I've always dug Mid, myself.
0: Mid-bendy, too?
1: Well, that's, that's where I'm going to get to. Uh, so <laughs> Talk to me. So, anyway, my, my plan, all even through high school, was always like, I'm a really, really, really good test taker, right? I can regurgitate information onto a test incredibly well. The actual, like, showing up to class and doing homework part, not not my strong suit academically. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, anyway, my plan was, oh, I'm going to pull this out by, like, showing up and taking these finals. Um, and it'll pass me. And uh, anyway, uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend rolls around, and I'm like, okay, like, I better, like, at least crack the books and, like, at least see what's on these finals. Mm-hmm. And, like, I open my school email for, like, the first time in a week and realized that all of my professors had moved my finals to the week before Cinco de Mayo because they knew kids were going to be on one. Mm. So, in essence, I had been on a bender for long enough that I had completely missed the memo that the final had moved.
0: Did you miss the final?
1: Oh, yeah. Fuck. It had been during my bender. And so, what I decided to do then, right, I'm like totally fucked, right, I'm, I'm getting to that point of desperation, and so I decide, um, you know, Yolo uh, and I go and I get myself a big handle of Jose Cuervo gold. And uh, classy. I decide to see what the bottom of a handle would taste like and um, does it taste any different than the top? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know but the, the difference with this one was is this was not to be fucked up this was i don't care if i come back from this one right um because like by my math like 1.75 liters of 40 proof at 120 pounds like that should be the last drink you ever take right um and uh i woke up obviously i'm here talking to you yeah. not talking to you from beyond the grave S- spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler alert i lived <laughs> Um, and no hospitalization was involved, which probably means my liver looks like a rock now, but, um, <laughs> eight years later. Uh, but anyway, at that point, right. Like I realized like it was like a half-hearted suicide attempt, half-hearted cry for help. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point I realized like, okay, something is very wrong. Something needs to change. Like I've been lying to people. People think I'm doing okay. Like this is not, this is not working out. Like I have dug myself into a hole. I can't get out of Mm -hmm. and I'm like, and I'm a total mess. And so I ended up going to like the, the Catholic center on campus. Right. Cause that was the only thing I knew. Like that was like, you know, when your life is really fucked up, go talk to a priest, Um, which wasn't like terrible advice. Actually, this dude actually like really took me and comforted me. Uh, I still exchange emails with him a few times a year. Nice. Um, You know, he's moved on, but like, I still have his business card, his email and his email address. In you know, kind of like a scrap box mm-hmm. kind of thing that I keep, um, you know, and I and I exchange emails with him, you know, a couple times a year. He's you know had a few people, few young kids talk to me um, over the years, and anyway, I, I moved back home, and uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking like, all right, I'll be away from the party, um, and I'll be able to you know get my shit together. Um, and I had no idea like if they were going to let me back into school, but I was kind of hoping and praying and like my student accounts were still active and I was like, mm, okay, this is the end of the world. And then what was it? And then the, the letter comes home. Right. And it's, you've been academically disqualified from Sonoma state university, which means your BAC is higher than your GPA. Get the fuck out <laughs> and don't come back. Right. um, <laughs> I didn't know you could go go get less than a one, but you can. Oh, Newsflash, kids. Good, good to know. <laughs> and so, right, that was what started. Like that was that was right. What started the journey for recovery? And you know, the the not the most demoralizing moment. Right, there was kind of like the step before the step. Right, where like my mom very bluntly put it to me. She was like, "You do realize you have a substance abuse problem, right?" you know, and I was forced to admit like, was yeah, that,
0: was that kind of the first time she had mentioned it or was that the first time you, you actually heard her out? Or was uh, that was, No,
1: it? that was the first time. Like it was like, it was not like it was, it was blunt enough to get through to me. Right. Cause it would have been like, it always been like, Oh, how much are you partying? Is this recreational or like, you know, I'm like, no, I'm just having a good time kind of thing. But you know,
0: ne- mm-hmm. she never dropped that bomb on you. No, either. no,
1: no. And this was the first time she like dropped the bomb on me and like made me look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know basically right what it came down to was my my dad loved the man to death i have a great relationship with him today but he was sick of my shit and uh you know and he's uh i don't want to say he's a tightwad but i mean he. strict strict yeah but i mean and it definitely doesn't like throw money around right like mm-hmm. he does not um you know he he does not just like give <laughs> like give free i mean he's he's a generous person but like he doesn't just throw money at problems. Let's put it that way, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, so he told me, you know, he pulled out his checkbook and he was like, look, you got two options. Either you can go to school, get a job and get some help, right? No one's ever said I had to get sober. Um, the initial plan was to go back to the council. I had lied to throughout high school. Um, you know, he's like, you can do, get some help, get a job, uh, and go back to school or, I can give you first and, uh, first and last month's rent right now, title to your car, and you can get the hell out. And uh, at that point, I was off enough of the hard drugs that I was like almost in touch with reality. And I was like, hmm, well, my piss would melt a cup right now. It's so hot. <laughs> and I have no marketable skills except, you know, f- committing felonies for cash, essentially, um, you know. That's the, that's a great resume. Yeah, exactly. Love that resume. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was like, mm, I don't think we're going to do that. So I, I I was smart enough. That's
0: kind of like a moment of clarity, too, because I know a lot of times, and I'm sure yeah. in your story, too, if your dad offered that option to you, where he's just pulling out his check, but he's like, first and last in the title of your car. And Go. Gone. Dude, that's. I mean, that kind yeah. of sounds pretty sweet, right? But to a nineteen-year-old, that's, year old, that's yeah. like the
1: ultimate freedom. What like, is
0: it? A couple, yeah. Like a two grand and and a and a car. You it was know?
1: probably like three, maybe. Three? But yeah. you know, the car was maybe worth three. You yeah. know, it was like. Yeah,
0: but that's a lot of money to. I mean, you could you go on a sick one with that. Oh yeah, but as a nineteen-year-old.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think I was smart enough, kind of at the time, to know like, like I knew I knew how much my habit was costing me. Mm-hmm and i knew what i had to do to keep up with that and right, i knew right but it, when you're when you're in that when you're in that
0: kind of that lifestyle you you can't necessarily quite see yeah, the clarity you just I, it's like ooh it's such you know ooh peace candy. yeah, yeah. well I, <laughs> yeah. and
1: i think i think the difference was was that i knew i knew what i had been doing and i knew the cash flow i needed to Well, wouldn't cut it wouldn't cut it and right. so i was like hmm that's not going to last that long if I don't want to be homeless and minimum wage is like nine bucks and that's, I'm not going to be able to pay too many bills, like just doing like the most basic math, like nine bucks an hour minus taxes, minus rent. Even if I starve <laughs> is not going to get me the amount of drugs and alcohol I want. And so my, my next plan became like, okay, I'm gonna so it was more of a calculated plan as opposed to like a moment of clarity. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a moment of clarity and like, okay, I can, I can make a change, but like really my plan internally was I'm going to get my shit together for six months. We're not going to do this like hard shit. And then we're just going to go, we're going to go back to Sonoma, get back to the party. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'm going to take a breather. Clearly the first time out was kind of fucked up. Like, you know, give me a mulligan, give me six months to get my head on. Right. We'll do this again. And, uh. And so I was like, okay. And so I go to this counselor and, you know, tell him what's going on. And I'm like, I'm so depressed. Like, I feel like my life's totally fucked up. And basically he was like, well, dude, you've been drinking enough to kill a horse every day for 10 months. Like you've been living off of a depressant, like no shit. You're depressed. Your brain chemistry is totally scrambled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and anyway, so I, but I ended up basically like isolating myself in my bedroom because like I didn't want to go to the kitchen because that's where the liquor cabinet was. And so like after two weeks of just like white knuckling and detoxing and just like trying to do this like sobriety thing, I finally like decide to go to do a meeting. Was that was that um an idea from your your, no, uh, your counselor? Therapist? No, he had he had like suggested it. He was like, Oh, like try going to one a week and like and to be honest, like the timeline on like whether I went to a meeting first or met with this guy first is a little fuzzy now, like eight years later and like in the middle of detox. So, um, you know, don't take this as an exact chronol you know, chronological timeline, but the, the first meeting I went to was May 19th of 2012, right? That's the date that matters here. And it was at Alano East in the basement of San Jose.
0: That's the one, that's the one that looks like a big mansion kind of, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I love that place. That place is the first time I ever saw the serenity prayer. Oh, okay. Yeah, the one, the, yeah, that the back room with the that, big serenity prayer yeah, on the wall. Yeah, painted yeah. up on the wall. Yeah, yeah I know that really say. well. I had to so, do some community service there when I was like 14. And uh, I remember seeing that prayer and the big AA sign. And I was just like, it's kind of like, this? Yeah, yeah, I was like, what? What's going on in here? What the hell is this? It's yeah. like a church or some shit. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so I
1: was down in the basement, right? And it was just like the gnarliest AA meeting I've <laughs> ever seen, dude. This was like... You know, you hear people say, oh... There's hey, a rough
0: there's a rough crowd there for sure.
1: Dude, well, yeah. I mean, that's like east side of San Jose yeah. and like... You not, know, not
0: like you can't find recovery there. It's just for a 19-year-old kid. White kid that went to private school his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> a little rough. Yeah.
1: And so I'm down in this meeting, right? And it's like a Saturday night meeting. And like, I kind of picked it because like it was the closest one to my house that wasn't at the church I went to growing up. Hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I was like, okay... Like, and so I go down there and it's just like the wildest shit, right? Like I said, people say, hey, it's not a hotbed of mental health. That is like the perfect example of that, right? There's a whole bunch of random people in there, but one dude has like a big fat fucking Nortenio tattoo above his eyebrow <sighs> nice. who's like talking about how he's a pastor now, but like the devil tempts him with beer. And I'm like, okay, you're on one. And then like the <laughs> next lady that shared is like, you know, she's talking about running from pimps and like her problems with PCP. And I'm like, okay, again, this is some really wild shit, right? So we're like 20 minutes into an hour meeting. And like, it's just this like random assortment of just in like dumpster fire level stories, right? Mm -hmm. And like not to take anything from these people's sobriety, because looking back now, I realize like one day at a time, no matter who you are, billionaire to homeless person right 24 hours all we got but this was some next level shit right and for someone who didn't really have any experience with the program i was like fuck this man like there's no way i belong here but the important part is there's this one dude there who was at like on his fifth or fourth fifth sixth dui something where he should have been in jail but he must have had like the best lawyer ever mm-hmm. and uh he was like, look, man, there's a men's meeting here tomorrow at five. Come check it out. And I, so, right, I had, like, nothing going on. And I was like, okay, well, go to AA meeting, like, smoke some cigarettes, like, talk to these people who seem very interested in helping me. Like, and I went, and that was when I, like, that was when I really heard the story or, or heard the message, right, mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically, which was, you know, for the newcomer was you know keep coming back don't drink between meetings there is a solution we'll love you till you can love yourself right and like some people came up to me asked me how i was doing and like clearly they were like who is this kid why is he here and i was like dude i have like like i have like drank the wheels off my life at 19 like (laughs) yeah like i have nowhere else to go it's either this or like tell my parents to call insurance because i'm checking into rehab um And, uh, you know, and they were like, okay, cool. Well, you know, keep coming back and, you know, and that was right. That was how I fell really into men's meetings because there's a, there was a really tight crew of people there that were very happy to help me. Right? There were men that were, you know, between like, like the next man in there was like 10 years older than me, but there were a lot of men that were you know, on the older side, but that were legitimately interested in helping me.
0: And you could tell that it, it was, it was real. Like it yeah. wasn't like, you know, they didn't want anything. They didn't know. They, no, didn't, no, no, they, they no. didn't expect like, you know, it was just because they, they genuinely gave yeah. a fuck.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, I thought like, Oh, some of these fuckers might just be old and bored, but like, whatever, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, that was right. They really took me in. Um, and so there was the Monday or the Sunday night meeting, and there was like a Tuesday late night, like a nine thirty p.m. men's meeting, um, at that building that had been started by some dudes that were like legends of, uh, you know, Santa Clara Valley AA, but they were like car salesmen, and so they got off work at like 9 o'clock at night, so they couldn't get to any of the eight o'clock meetings, mm. and so they started this Tuesday night men's meeting, and that was, and that was. You know, and I think I had like a couple of months. I think it was like I got sober in May and by like August I was secretary of that uh Sunday men's meeting. Dope. Just got right into service. Yeah, and that was it. They were just like, Okay, cool. You're you're up. Like, um, like they're like, you know, you you you'll hear the term railroaded into service. Mm-hmm. Like those old fucks had it totally planned out. Oh, you no, know? yeah. <laughs> it wasn't by coincidence. No, no, no. They were like, all right, Dom, leave the room. You're nominated. And then like, they nominated like one other dude who like barely showed up to the meeting. And then like, I was out of the room for like 15 seconds. And one guy comes out, all right, you're the new secretary. You start next week. Talk to me afterwards.
0: <laughs> That's tight. That's and, how it is though. You know, sometimes you just need that. You need that, that jump start. you know?
1: Right. And like, I didn't. And so like, you know, I, right, like I had just started on my steps. I, I waited probably a little too long to get a sponsor, but like, you know, it was like sixty days or something, and you know. Mm-hmm. But my sponsor, right? Like this, this was where you know, because I've been going to meetings and like I was starting to get it, but like, I I, I could handle like, okay, don't take a drink today, mm-hmm. right? But like people talking about a solution, and like how their lives had changed, and I'm like, dude, I'm, you know. If my life was like, if it was, if my life was like me under a massive pile of shit, like now I've maybe got a straw to the outside, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> a little snorkel. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and I was, am like, okay, ship, ship pile snorkel.
0: I like that analogy.
1: Yeah. And so my sponsor, right. This was, this was the man who really taught me how to do serious men's meeting AA. Right, because like, that's...
0: Like, no bullshit, no, no, uh, um, oh, God, what is it? Someone was talking to me about this the other day, too. There's no uh, gray area. Hey, right. It's, like, black and white. Exactly. You know, it's, like, you're, it's, 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 it's this way because this way works.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and it's just, like, the men's meeting, and he's, like, I'm going to pass this to you the way, you know, uh, like, the way it was handed to me. And he's like, and so like, I asked this guy, right. And it's, it's kind of a funny story, right? Like I asked this guy, I'm like, Hey, will you sponsor me? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you're going to call me every day for seven days. And then if you can do that, like, we'll get to work. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, And so he gives me his business card Um, and is like, you know, okay, call me at my desk tomorrow and I'll give you my cell phone number. Oh, he's making you work for it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, and I can and, do that. And like twenty twenty hindsight, you see why he did that. Right.
0: You know, you yeah. can't, can't see, I'm sure you sp- sponsored many guys that, you know, just fall off. They say, oh, I want to sponsor. And then yeah, exactly. like, you were talking about this this yeah. earlier, you said, uh, your sponsor knows he's your sponsor.
1: Exactly. And so, uh, you know, and, and I'm a big believer in divine intervention in the, in form of sponsorship, right? A, sp- a man will always appear in your life when you need him most. Mm-hmm. Um. and the reason I believe that is because the next day I call my sponsor at his desk number and I'm like hey this is Dom from last night Um, you know I'm calling to check in and he's like how are you doing I'm like I'm okay you know like my life is still totally fucked like it doesn't change in the last 12 <laughs> hours you know Um. and uh, and I said how are you and he's like well, I got fucking fired today no shit and i was like say what now right because i asked this guy because i had asked other people in the meeting right how do you find a sponsor like what what constitutes a good sponsor right Mm -hmm. and they were like find a man who wants what you have or has what you want and ask him to sponsor you and i didn't like totally understand like the the spiritual and program implications of that but what i saw was this dude who had gotten sober at 23 he had a wife and two kids he owned a house and was like fairly successful in technology sales and so i was like okay like this dude's life is working Mm -hmm. right like it's like it's it seems like normal enough you know and this is kind of like in line with where you know eventually i want my life to be maybe like you know um and he had a good message he was funny He a mouthpiece on him you know but i was like okay i can I, I, I can make it work with this guy i think he's good and so right that was like a shocker right because like i had asked this dude you know oh, this
0: guy's got a good job and then oh no he's fired the day i asked him to be my
1: sponsor yeah which turned out to be a blessing in disguise right because it was, it was a layoff. He got a nice package for it. And basically he was home for like the next like three or four months. Oh, chilling. Right. And so like, I was like working and like, you know, uh, like going to community college, but like he would text me and like, be like, Hey, you want to get in and out? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know? Yeah. So it just like, it was just a good way to build a relationship with him. Right. Like he, he was very available early in my sobriety. And like, you know, there was some shit where it was like, you know, we borrowed my dad's rototiller because he was redoing his front yard. I'm like, all right, listen, man, like, you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't repay you, but like we can, we can make this work, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, And so the, you know, but, but one of the old school ways he passed down to me was like, you know, when I asked him to sponsor me after he said, you're going to call me, you know, this, that, and the other he said, but listen to this. Uh, well, this was at our first meeting, really. And he said, listen to this. He said. I'm not your bank, your taxi cab, your motel, or your therapist. That's real. And I and he's like, I'm here to get you through the steps. And I'm like, okay, that's what's up. This dude knows his. This dude knows his place. Not like not like in a demeaning way, but like he knows what he's here to do. Right. Um. And then he said, "There's only two other requirements." And he said, "One." is that you be as honest with me as you possibly can. Um, He said, because he said, and I say that because total honesty is, you know, you know, relative or whatever. Right. But he's like, there are going to be some truths that we're going to come across in the process of the steps that you're not going to be able to process right away. And he said, and the second thing is that when the time comes, you'll be willing to pass this on to another man. And that was it. And that was how, um, you know and that was how i started my steps and you know from there you, you know you're kind of like it's sprawling out but like the the experience of getting to the steps with that man was you know was critically important to my life and he and and he was the one that was like you know one of the other ones that he dropped on me like probably two weeks later was like all right listen you know three meetings um three men's meetings a week. And he gave me the, uh, he gave me the kind of the rundown of like, uh, you know, this is good. Like gorilla on Thursday night, which I think is, well, it's moved, but it might be, I don't know. Well, now with COVID, I have no idea what meetings are going on, but he's like, these, he's like, meet me at, he gave me a meeting basically for every night of the week. And he's like, he's like, let me know which ones you're going to. And I'll let you know who to talk to. And so that was right. That was really how I got started. And that was where I found my footing, right? Because I was secretary of one. And then I got really involved in that Tuesday night meeting. And we grew it from like eight dudes to like 25 regularly coming. Wow. Um. You know, and that Tuesday night meeting, I considered my home group for like the first five years of my sobriety. Um, and then my life changed a little bit, like, just, and being at a meeting till 1130 at night just was no longer feasible for me. That's, that's that's heavy commitment right there, dude. Yeah. And so, like, but that was, like like, the men's meeting, right, because I was, there were these guys that, you know, I'm, like, 19 and then 20 and, like, I don't really have any friends. Like I went to young people's AA, but like it wasn't really what I was looking for. Because these guys in the men's meetings, right, they're they're dropping knowledge on me about being a man, being a sober man and just living life, right? Like here's how you take responsibility, here's how you show up to work, here's how you like shower before you show up to work, right? Like mm-hmm. all the things that we're just like absolutely terrible at, they were starting to show they were they were giving to me and they were giving me the tools to just be successful in general, right? Like, you know uh, and I didn't, not that it doesn't exist in young peoples. I wasn't meeting those people. Let's put it that way. And so that was kind of, you know, that was kind of how I got hooked into men's meetings. The thing that kind of started falling off for me though, was that I didn't really have any friends, right? Like there were all these like dudes that were older than me that had like girlfriends and like kids and like, you know, besides like getting, you know, lunch with my sponsor once in a while, I didn't really have anyone to hang out with. Cause there were like, there was like young people's meetings and I would like go to the midnight or whatever to like meet people. But like, and besides that, it, there just wasn't anything going on. And so that was, that was like the most challenging part of my early sobriety. It was like, sorry. Um, was that and then when I, and then I, you know, um, and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't crack the code on this, right? Because, like, and then, oh, what did I have? Like, I had, like, a year and some change. And I met this dude who became, like, uh, like to this day, is, like, one of my best friends on this planet. But um, he was a student at Santa Clara at the time. Just wild, you know. And he like, didn't really have a sober running buddy either. And so, like, we, we had gone to the same high school and, like, um, you know, all this stuff. And, like, it just became this kind of thing where, like, we were we were boys. But now, all of a sudden, I had someone. I would hit up, right? Hey, let's go to a meeting. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that, right? And so, we were, like, it just became, like, a very natural friendship to have someone that I could do this with that you know I vibed with right and, and at the, at 20
0: years old not a lot of people are even thinking about getting sober let alone even have problems have even developed right you know? exactly Like at, you know before even having a legal drink who's it's a very small group of people mm-hmm. very small group because AA is already a small group of people I mean relatively ret- speaking. Ret- yeah to the greater population but then when you go to AA there's to find someone who's 1920 who, yeah. who who has the same drive and recovery as you mm-hmm. is very rare. Yeah. Very rare. Now, um, after you met this, after you met your, your, uh, the sober running buddy, did you have, uh, did, did you build like a group from that? And, and if so, how'd you do that?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's what was kind of wild, right? was like, so we had this, we, you know, it was the two of us. Right. And that was kind of where it started. And then, but we were all, we were both sponsored by dudes that went to men's meetings. And so the expectation was that, right. We were, we were going to keep going to men's meetings, but this dude I met, we had gone to the same high school and it's, it wasn't a very big high school, right. It was, it was all boys here in San Jose. You can probably do the fucking math. Um, (laughs)
0: I think there's only one here in Santa. Yeah, exactly. But I don't want to. I don't
1: want to besmirch their good name by uh, dragging them into this shit. But um, you know, this. But the like we knew who the fuck ups were, right? Because we were we we hung out with them, right? And birds
0: so, of a feather flock together.
1: Exactly, right? And so we we knew who these people were. And then like through the grapevine, you would hear like, oh, so and so is back from, uh, school. They're, uh, you know, they're in rehab or whatever. Right. So you'd hear about like the different people that we knew from high school that were like getting sober. And so kind of when we heard about them, right, we would hit them up and we'd be like, Hey, like, you know, like heard you were kind of like struggling or you were like coming to meetings or whatever. Like we're two dudes. Like we all, we all went to the same high school, hit us, hit us up. We'll go to a meeting with you, kind of show you what's good. With recovery around here, and so that was how we started building the group, right? Like recruiting people. Bill, basically, right? Like once we once we heard once we heard people were, um, were getting fucked up, you know, or then and then trying to get sober, right? We would reach out and just be like, "Hey, heard through the grapevine, um, let's hit a meeting, right?" And so and
0: that's dope too, because that's like a, um, that's a level of service that like goes beyond just being at a meeting and if there's a newcomer there like you reach your hand out and say what's up you know and yeah. introduce yourself because now you're actually going out and like you know finding people and and, and showing them like the ropes mm-hmm. with you know that they may not have ever been able to experience prior to that because you know there's there's a lot of like getting sober there's a lot of fears and insecurities and stuff like that and so a lot of people don't even make make it and, you know, initially yeah. in sobriety, let alone, you know, long enough to find their support group. Yeah. So that's why it's so huge. And like, other thing too, is like, that's something that I think there's not enough of.
1: Yeah. Well, and like th- outreach. Well, yeah. And that was the thing. Right. And so like, we already kind of had an existing community that we were recruiting out of, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, you know, it's like, okay, give me two years right on either side of, of like, cause my, my best friend's a year younger than me, like school wise. And so, you know, and then another year, right. On either side of that. So we had kind of like a four year pool of people, right. That we were, you know, kind of pulling out of. Um, and then when we heard someone was back in town, we reach out and right. And so this, this click kind of forms up, right. And there's like four or five dudes that are really tight and you know, and to me, that that's one of the most treasured things of my sobriety, right? Because, you know, I had that classic alcoholic thing of, like, never feeling like I really fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And now, right, it's like I had all of a sudden, right, like, you know, 16, 17, right, I have those that, you know, it's some of it's teenage stuff, some of it's alcoholic stuff, but, you know, just like where do i fit right and then you know 5 years later right i'm like i'm like the little king of this group of people because i have you know the ringleader <laughs> exactly right and so i'm like oh this is wild but like just starting to do stuff together right like having fight nights when the ufc is on you know watching the warriors playoff games together right just like whatever it is just making making a making an available space for young sober dudes to hang out um that's not a meeting right because it's like meetings are important don't get me wrong but like
0: like you were saying earlier like what you got like a year and some change and you realize like it was that was missing
1: right exactly like i didn't have like you know cuz like that's the thing right like if you're just like sitting bored at home right you're like okay, fine. I'm not drinking, but like,
0: yeah. And when you're, when you're in sobriety too, like you, like being sober is a, is a huge accomplishment even for those 24 hours. Right. right? But sometimes we need to see a little something in our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. Besides just the fact that I didn't drink today. Sometimes that's all it is, but sometimes it's like, you know, can't just be this right exactly this can't just be the best that sobriety has <laughs> yeah, to offer you know
1: exactly and so that was that was where it came to was we were like oh sweet and so like we had this group of, we had this rad group of people we have this rad group of people it's it's kind of changed a little bit in the last like year some people started moving away to you know take on these opportunities but you know it was cool because right like we had this group and then you know, at the same time, right? Like I sponsored, like I was sponsoring people. Right. And like, so I was, and so were my, so were my click. Right. So we're, you know, for a little context, most of us have between like one and three years. We're kind of teleporting through time a little bit here, but like, you know, this is still sub five years sobriety, but we've all got enough time that we're sponsoring people and you know, it's like learning how to sponsor someone is a, is a skill unto itself. Right. And there's no instruction manual. Right. right? There's,
0: there's there's the guide in, in the, in the big book, but it doesn't tell you necessarily exactly what to do on specific situations. Right. Right. There's countless times where you'll get a sponsee call you and it's just like, or even just someone struggling calling you and you're just kind of sitting there just like,
1: uh, Uh, yeah, (laughs) you know, right. And so, so I had this group of guys, we were all learning how to sponsor together um, and bouncing our experience off each other. But then we had, but like at this point, right, I had met this, this kid that would go on to be my first successful sponsor. I had a couple other people ask me to sponsor them and they just, you know, been various shades of not ready. Um, mm-hmm. But this dude, right. So anyway, I had moved in with my best friend that this, my running buddy. And so we're like living in a, like a shitty little apartment, like right by Santa Clara University. So, I uh, two miles from where we're sitting now, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a student there. I'm going to USF Business School, and he someone calls him and is like, yo, there's this freshman that's just, like struggling with getting sober, like he's just fucking up. And he says, all right, tell him to meet me outside of this hall in like 15 minutes. So he jumps in his car, drives over there, grabs this kid. Right. We basically kidnapped this random kid off the street <laughs> and bring him to this ghetto little apartment. Right. Where we're like, you making, be sober. Check this out. <laughs> right. Where we're like, exactly right. Like we're making dinner and I'm like, well, you're going to eat cause you're here. Mm. And like, and we're like, okay, what's going on. Right. And this kid was just not ready for this. Right. His life was just as broken as mine was. But like, you know, it, it, you know it's just a very he hadn't, surreal hadn't had dec- that moment, you know? yeah. He hadn't had that moment, he didn't really know like much about same kind of thing, didn't know much about recovery. But, like, you know, as opposed to me kind of like easing into it, like, we just basically grabbed this motherfucker and threw him in the tub, you know. Right. Um, and so anyway, that was the, the I ended up sponsoring that guy, and we I, he was the first guy I ever got through the steps. And the reason I love to talk about this story is A, he's one of my best friends on this planet, um, even though he lives back in the Midwest now. Uh, B, seeing the light come on in his eyes was what congealed my experience of like two and change years up to that point. Uh, you know, people talk about like, you know, oh, like, you know, you, you won't, you don't get this thing until you sponsor someone. And I I was like, okay, yeah, but whatever. And then like, but then when I did it, I was like, holy shit, this is like, you're like really passing it on. Right. Because the other thing it forces you to do is like teaching anything else. Right. I've taught a lot of people, a lot of different things in my life, but what it taught me to do was tighten up my program
0: no one no one wants to be the hypocrite
1: no know? no no one wants to be a hypocrite and like and right and like you're so nervous like you don't want to teach someone wrong
0: right It's. it's i mean in in the sense too like when you're when you're sponsoring mentoring or even just giving advice to someone mm-hmm. you you in a sense have a responsibility to right. to not lead that person down a wrong path because god forbid something happens to them it's not like their life's on your hands, but like you do, you did play a big part in it. Well, yeah. And then another thing too is when, when you were, when you were going through the steps with, uh, with that first sponsee did, how, how did it, well, I kind of partially know the answer to this. Right. But like, how did it change your perception of the steps?
1: So, right. Like the first time I did it, right. I was just trying to figure out like, okay, like it's, it's like a, Right. Like the 12 steps. Right. It's kind of like a treasure map, but you're not really sure what's buried at the end of the rainbow. I like that analogy. Yeah. Oh, you don't even know where the, fuck the rainbow is half the time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And you're like, OK, how is talking about the people that I hate? Like, you know, because resentment was kind of a foreign idea, but like mm-hmm. all these motherfuckers I got a problem with, how does that help with the drinking thing? Yeah. Like, you know. So you you need a little faith, right? Like that's why that's why we start the steps with the, with, with faith and a higher power because, you know, you you got to be able to believe that what you're doing is going to yield results, right? And so that was like, I'm like, oh shit, um, you know, walking working him through it, right? It, it connected, it solidified the path, right? Because. Your life is like as you're getting sober and working the steps. And I didn't like my steps were a marathon, not a sprint, right? Like it worked out to about one a month. Um, it
0: still is actually fuck, dude. I know some people who, uh, yeah, my, I mean, my shit, myself included. I mean, some people, myself included, yeah. where it certain steps took a lot longer than a month, just like, yeah, like well, dragging my feet through things, like sometimes. on <laughs> average,
1: yeah, like I said, like on average, um, you know, that's that's what it worked out to, right? That's and, a,
0: That's a healthy pace, though. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But like it, but the rest of your life, right? When you're getting super sober, the rest of your life is basically moving at warp speed. Right. Because you're trying to learn how to be a functional human again. And, and so like guiding him, right. Was allowed me for the outside perspective to actually hook, the spiritual journey together. Hmm. Um and so that was like I mean, you know, and like after him, right, like I've I've never been one of these guys that's had a big uh that's had a big stable of sponsors, Right? Like I mean and and again, my opinion, this is, you know, uh you know, I, I don't say this to like cast dispersions on anyone, but like there are some dudes that kind of like almost seem like they kind of get off at men's meetings especially some of the older guys right they get off on having like a bucket load of sponsees they're like i don't even know how many guys i sponsor right
0: and but like, how how's the quality of sponsorship right exactly you know?
1: right and so you know
0: plus two fuck it's like you better have it's better to like you know be actively like working steps with one person than having 10 people who Call you every once in a while just to mouth vomit their problems, and then you know only call you again when shit shit gets rough. Instead of actually getting into the solution and maybe you know having a better life moving forward.
1: Exactly right. And so that's like that's like I've had like a couple like a small handful of really really solid sponsees. And
0: isn't that crazy? Eight years of sobriety and it's and the amount of people. It's it's sad. The I think amount it's like of, three. Yeah, the, you know the, the yeah. amount of people that actually get it and are willing to like do the work to stay sober.
1: Oh. Well, that's the thing is like, I was having this discussion with someone, uh, actually at this house, at the meeting at this house, like a couple of weeks ago. And, and I was like, someone's like, damn, you, cause I talk, I like to talk about the guys that have done well. Right. Because again, share the message, not the mess. And, uh, you know, it, Someone was like, dude, you, you have this amazing tracker of response I'm like, dude, I didn't say shit about the denominator. That's like 25, <laughs> man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah. one for eight. Like, you know, you could count generously and I might be one for eight. You know, I, I haven't
0: heard people talk about how terrible their response are doing. Right. Or all the yeah. terrible ones they have. You know,
1: you never hear that. No, I'm not going to. No. You know, it's like, dude, that's that's not like I'm still sober. Right. Right. And there are three people. Yeah, three who have like finish the steps with me and, you know,
0: gone and like on to, gone on to live successful lives. Exactly.
1: Right. And like, um, you know, and like, and my boy that lives in Chicago, like he's like, I don't sponsor him anymore. Right. Because I'm a big believer in face to face sponsorship.
0: Oh yeah. It's huge. It's like, huge. I don't think, I mean, there's something about human connection that is, Like it's, it's almost spiritual, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and to be over the phone or on Skype or zoom or whatever, like it works. And that's why I've been, I've been so kind of, uh, reluctant about the zoom meetings with this whole quarantine is because yeah, I'll go to them, Mm -hmm. right? I'll, I'll, I'll hop on zoom meetings and stuff, but, um, I'd rather roll the dice and go to an in-person meeting well any day then then do zoom because you're there it's the before and after it's the fellowship it's the talking the the meeting
1: before and the meeting after the meeting right right? right. and like and that
0: was you don't get that over the phone you know the the the, the, um the just being able to be in a conversation face to face with someone you know who's who's helping you stay sober Mm -hmm. you know it's just there uh, you can't even explain it half the time.
1: Well, well, and the other thing is right. Like there's a, there's a distinct difference in the, how do I say this? There's a distinct difference in like, cause I, I'm secretary of a Monday night men's meeting now that I've only ever done it on zoom. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Right. Like I love my meetings and like, there's like a group of guys, right? Like my Monday and Wednesday men's meetings. Those are my no misses. That's like the baseline of my sobriety. But Dude, I'm burnt out on Zoom meetings, right? Mm-hmm. We started this shit in March.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's October. Yeah. And when will it end? It's uh, said we We're seven, months. seven we've, months. We've like, I haven't been to like with the exception of like two meetings here. I haven't been to an in-person meeting in seven months. Really? They don't have them at all
0: here in Santa Clara?
1: There's like some private ones, like here, but like there's there's no, there's not there's so far I haven't heard about anything reopening. Shit. So I was
0: just at an in-person meeting yesterday. It was amazing. Speaker meeting, so good. Well, yeah, everyone just straps the mask on and just. Does it? it's like it's kind of like it, and this is just my opinion on the virus but i would rather um i would i, I would rather risk getting covid than risk drinking or using again oh yeah i, I mean because if that was if that was there, my choice and, yeah. and now it's political too right so the whole virus is is turned political and which is which is really sad. But, you know, uh so if you take politics out of it, right? Right. I would much rather if the worst case scenario um happened and I've already I've tested positive for the virus before and, you know, I had to quarantine for two weeks and everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any symptoms. But it let's say I had the worst case scenario where they say where you're on ventilators for two weeks and everything Mm -hmm. like that or months, right? And you know horrible Mm -hmm. problems. I would much rather take that than lose than lose this gift of like a higher power and this connection I have like with the program any yeah. day.
1: Well, and that's the other thing. is like, I have to say like, I haven't like, we don't have in-person meetings, but like my crew, like we're still seeing each other. Right. We it, never stop seeing each and,
0: other. And, and like, do you, be on, like be honest, like do you think that if you ever had a, um, a time where you just like, if you couldn't see them since this lockdown started, like in March, right? Mm-hmm. And you didn't hang out with, with your core group of people and have that connection would, would, would you even be sober? Would you, I mean, would, I would, would you,
1: I would probably be uh-huh. just because like, I can, like I know, right. Like, I mean eight years in, right. Like I have a pretty decent internal gauge on like where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Cause I've had times where I've only gone to like one meeting a week in my sobriety. Uh, and I, I wasn't sponsoring anyone and like, you know, My girlfriend almost broke up with me because I was about to slash someone's tires at the mall at Christmas because they stole a parking spot. (laughs) Right? Like, you know, just completely, (laughs) completely off my gourd. Um, And so that was like, I was like, oh, God damn it. You know. um, The alcoholic insanity. Right. The alcoholic insanity. But so, like, you know, I have have a pretty good gauge on where my disease is at. And I can, you know, kind of press the pedal or the brake, you know, like on... On my program to like get myself back where I need to be, you know, but the, the biggest thing with like the virus and like being sober is like a, first of all, hats off to anyone who's gotten sober, uh, during sobriety or during the virus or is like, was like a newcomer when this shit shut down because you're like going to zoom meetings is doing this in hard mode.
0: Um, yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, like like
1: going to like, that's
0: real because it's real turning it from like beginner to expert. Exactly.
1: And because the thing for me was that like, you know, and I, I was telling this to one of my boys a couple of weeks ago was like, dude, there's like not having in-person meetings means not being able to corner the newcomer afterwards. <laughs> That's true though. That's true. How many times have you
0: seen people come in, right? Like they come in and they introduce themselves as a newcomer yeah. and you're like, Oh dude, I'm going to, I want to talk to that guy. There's something about like, their struggle and like their, mm-hmm. their, the pain you see, it, you hear it in their yeah. voice and you see it in their eyes and you just want to like reach out and be just like, dude, like what's up? Yeah. How, how are you? You know? And you want to just have that conversation and then you see him leave the meeting like early, you know how it is. Yeah. They leave early. And then you like never see him again. And you're thinking like, dude,
1: my favorite, my favorite is the dudes who come in and don't announce themselves as new, Either. but you
0: totally know they're new,
1: right? Yeah. Like like i'm go like even though my monday men's meeting is big like it can go between like 70 and 100 dudes holy shit
0: oh that that's all on zoom right
1: no 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 in person it could go it could swing between like like up like normally like like it's kind of seasonal but like you know during like the peak like like late spring early summer when people are like at home the most mm-hmm. and like have the most free time it can it there are nights it goes over there are weeks it goes over 100 and then you wow. know here during in, the holidays here, here in gives, San Jose, yeah. During all, the holidays, this is
0: all before like the virus shut everything. down. Yeah, you know exactly. I
1: mean? Wow. And then, dude, it was crazy when the virus kicked off. Like our like the Monday meeting was like up to 130 dudes because oh, no one gosh. had anywhere to be.
0: You hate to oh. you hate to see that too, dude. You hate to see when like all those people no longer have anywhere to go.
1: Exactly, and so like we. But like the th- the thing is right like there's there's a group of people like you know who comes and goes from that meeting even a group of a hundred people like you know who's who hasn't been there before. Right. You know you know when someone's kind of like that newcomer like shifting around. Nervously. Hiding in the back. Exactly. Yeah. Like they don't like. like or just looking
0: straight down at the floor the whole yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: they just have that like they have that really uncomfortable like. Yeah. Like you just tell shuffle the... about them. Yeah. Like crawling
0: out of their skin. Almost. Exactly.
1: Right. And like but they can't like, but they don't stand up and say they're new either because like they take it literally that like, Oh, I completed a 30 day inpatient rehab and I'm not a newcomer Mm -hmm. or like whatever, you know? Um, But like cornering those guys after the meeting, right? That like talking to them, calling them, right? I have no way to find a newcomer right now because zoom meetings, unless they're putting their number in the chat,
0: Oh, here's another thing too that I, that I hate about zoom meetings, right? I can go in and I can be on a zoom meeting, Mm -hmm. but guess what the fuck I'm staring at when I'm on the zoom meeting? It's my phone, right? All all it takes is one Snapchat notification for me to go mute my, mute my, my microphone, go mute my video and then, or turn on my video and then go check Snapchat, check Instagram. Next thing I know I'm, I'm totally just tuned out, to- not even listening to what they're saying. Yeah, you know, and then
1: I mean, I've been totally guilty of that. Like, I mean, it's just like you know, it's hard. I'm just you're I've, like, oh, what what rust bucket is for sale on you know what four thousand dollar project car is for sale on Craigslist on right. a Monday night. Right. You know, like, and,
0: and you go and you just you you. you Cause you're like staring at it. Like at, at, meetings I like to, you know, put my phone on, do not disturb, throw it in my pocket and just focus on the share. But when Leave the shit in the car, yeah. Yeah. When the meeting is on my phone, my biggest distractor, it's like, is, Holy shit, dude, it is so rough.
1: Yeah. No, it's and, so rough. And so that's like, but that's it, you know, like I, I, um, but you know, having that, having the, having my group of dudes that we all go to the same men's meetings every week and we always, hang, like, it, it works out that we hang out outside of men's meetings at least one night a week.
0: Right. There's a level of accountability, too. Right. You know? Because,
1: like, and the thing is, like, we know each other's sponsees. Mm. Right? Because our sponsees show up to, like, our shit most of the time, you know. Um, and so, like, like one of my boys moved to Amsterdam. He got a job. Or he, he was at a company, and then they were expanding their operations in Europe, and they were, like, they gave him this awesome opportunity.
0: And as a recovering alcoholic in Amsterdam, that sounds intense.
1: Well, yeah, and he had like five plus he has like five plus years.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not one of your newcomers. No, no, no. Okay. okay.
1: <laughs> but dude, anyway. Yeah, throw a newcomer right into but the But anyway, belly of the right? Beast. But like his sponsee, like, I already knew. Right. And like I hung out with. And so like I'm not sponsoring the guy, but like this dude calls me, I call him. Right? Because I knew he was gonna need that support, right? Mm-hmm. So when I talk about this, like, this tribe, this clique, what have you, right? There's my core, and then there are other dudes, right? You meet people in sobriety with the same interests as you, mm-hmm. right, like, one of my, like, one, like, a, a dude that was, like, one of, that's, is one of my good friends, like, um, you know, at the time I was, I, I worked in kitchens for a long time, and so, like, he's a chef, we bonded over chef shit, he just opened his first restaurant. Nice. And so, like, I got to be there, right, and I do tech sales now and, like, whatever. But, like, I got to roll up to his, his spot opening weekend, bring my parents, bring my girl. We ordered, like, half his fucking menu. I got my parents a bottle of wine, like, nice. you know. And so, like, you get to do these cool, cool things. And, like, some other older dudes I know, super into cars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, love, I love cars. I love road biking, right? I've got my, my AA buddies that I, that I go do fucking gnarly rides with. And like that's, you know, kind of to, to, to put a, you know, throw my arms around it. Right. Is like the, the, you know, what it's like, what happened. Right. And now we're at like what it's like now. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of like cash and prizes, AA, right. That people like, you know, country song in reverse. I got my dog back, got my truck packed, got my job (laughs) back. Right. Like, um, you know, and like, uh, like that's you know and that's cool and like you know and i could talk about you know it's like four cars all these different jobs like you know i've got you know fucking front row seats to ufc fights because of the program like i've got some just some cool you know kind of cash and prizes stories but like the, the the wild wild difference is that now i've got these these relationships with people right that are just like i can't like you can't replace them right because right? like i've got you know and I you was, would
0: have never met these people if it wasn't for sobriety no and, it wasn't and there's for and like AA.
1: and like one of my good friends is like fucking like 50 years old this dude and i talk like three times a week and he's like because i would have never never met before. no yeah. never he's like a vp at a tech company you know and like like there's like there's nothing that bonds us other than the fact that like he's sober, I'm sober, and because of that we met each other and then realized like we're really into cars. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like yeah. you know, yeah,
0: it wouldn't have stopped him on the street. And been like, what's up, dude? Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. You would
0: have, you would never have been like probably wouldn't have even partied with him either. Would have been two different parties.
1: Oh yeah, no, two two completely different <laughs> parties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, with uh, like you were mentioning too, like besides like the cash prizes, like what are some of the gifts? What are some of the gifts of sobriety that you've noticed that are just uh, um, when you first got sober, there are things that you would have never, never even thought of as a gift or thought of you being able to do or have because of your sobriety.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the I think the big one is like, the like a the quality of friendships right like i like from all from you know from zero to 19 right i've got like one friend left out of that like entire year or in that like entire years of my life Mm. um and the dude's a really good friend of mine like he was just in town last week i went over had dinner with him and his grandparents like i mean i I love the man dearly but um no one else from like pre-sobriety i talked to anymore Right. Because it's just like, like I mean, and I'll say what's up to people, obviously, but like, yeah, you know, always kind of superficial friendships. And like, um, you know, my girlfriend kind of put it best. She's like, you know, uh, she's like, because I, I said, oh, and I'm glad you're going to you know dinner or something with one of your friends. I was like, it's you know, everyone needs their crew. And she's like, you and your crew have something. You guys are so tight. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult to, she's like, you can't really put a flame to that. Right. You, you can't hold a candle to that. We went to dinner with one of my friends and his girlfriend two weeks ago and, uh, and she was like, damn, she, she was like, like, and his girlfriend's nice, you know, but she was like, she said afterwards, she's like, I, she's like, I have no idea. Like, you know, she's like, it's always hard going to like meeting other wives and girlfriends (laughs) in the program because the boys are so tight they know everything about each other she's like i don't even know what the girlfriend knows about the boy <laughs> you know <laughs> right um right and so that's like that's that's one of them and the other one is just like dude the like i had just torched relationships within my family mm-hmm. right like i mean it's like and now like i'm like after this i'm going over to my parents house for dinner like every sunday because like we're italian and that's just you know the, you know dago shit but right. like, right. you know, like we're going to go have dinner with my parents and like, I'm going to help my dad. My dad's getting older, you know, he's in his late sixties now. And like, you know, so it's just like, just being able to like be around and be like, dad, leave, leave that heavy bag of cement in the back of your car. I'll come over this week and get it out for you. Let's keep your discs in your back, you right. know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and it was like, so stuff like that, it's, you know, I guess like, you know, most normal people take it for granted. Right. but like we just have a deeper appreciation for it. No. I have a real deep appreciation for it because like there's, I've met so many people who, you know, have really, really damaged those relationships. Um, and generations of alcoholism have really dissolved those relationships. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, and then on the flip side, you know, it's like, or, and people who are just, um, how do I say this? Like, you know, they, they, they've missed that chance, right? The, you know, someone, someone died before someone could get sober. Um, you know, that's, it's just something that like, I, I couldn't imagine living without. So, right. Right. It's, it's, uh, not,
0: not a lot of people get a chance to, uh, to really live, live that life, Mm -hmm. live this life. You know, they don't, they don't, uh, for for whatever reason whoever's uh the mastermind behind existence is uh picks and chooses. Some people get it, some people don't, and yeah, it's just but, the way it is.
1: But you know what, man? I I'm, I'm going to tell you something. The and I heard this and I'll tell a little story about it. My 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 grand sponsor said, you know, the this program is not for people who want it. It's not for pro- people who need it. It's for people who do it. Because if, if it was for people who wanted it and people who needed it, we'd be holding meetings at the fucking HP Pavilion or whatever it is, the SAP Center now. Fuck that. I you know one HP Pavilion. Yeah, the Shark Tank, motherfucker. That's yeah. what's up. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. Right? But there would be like, you know, we'd be holding 15,000 person AA meetings like on the weekly because. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like we know people are fucked up. Mm-hmm. But that's not the reality of it, right? It's, it's for people. The people who get this are the ones who show up and do the work. Right, you're and, uh, you know, and, and accept the fact that the first step is, you know, admitting you have the problem and starting to do the work, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was like, dude, I mean, like painful story, but like my cousin um, died homeless on the streets, right? Because he was terminally unique, right? He did not believe that there was anyone else out there who could relate to his story. No matter what, you know, I, I said to him, you know, whatever, you know, and there were a couple times he strung a few days, like, I mean, literally like a few days together, but it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, you can't like, he never showed up and did the work. Right. And I don't, yeah. and I don't say this to like put this as a moral failing on my cousin. Cause that would be fucked up uh, to put it bluntly. But that, you know, that's where, that's where the dividing line is. Right. Is that like that insistence, that desperation, that willingness, whatever you want to call it, right. Where you just keep coming back.
0: Right. And, and it's, it's not about the, uh, if you don't do the work and you don't get sober, it's it's not any fault of your own, other than the diseases, right? It's right, just, it's, exactly. It's, it's yeah. the disease of addiction and alcoholism took another life, right?
1: Right. The fact that you and I are here having this conversation is the is the miracle. It's, it's the, the exception, miracle. not right. the rule,
0: because it's like the baseline, right? Right. Our disease wants us dead. Yeah. Right. Like it'll, I guess it'll settle for us in jail or you know whatever, but it really wants us dead. That's yeah. the, that's the that's its goal, right? right? So if you don't make it you know and and it, this this can be taken the wrong way right but yeah. if you don't make it it's it's just the reality Th- of it you know
1: statistically Stat- that's the expected result
0: right right but anyone can break the statistic
1: right anyone and that's can. yeah and that's i mean and, and again like i want to like put it out there that like you know i'm not we're like we're not on here trying to say fucked up things about fucked up situations but like, that is, like, statistically, the, like, the amount of people who will experience recovery of any kind, right? We're not, I'm not going to, you know, Big Book says we don't have a, we don't have a corner on the market of recovery from this hopeless state of mind and body. Some people find Jesus, some people find Allah, some people go to Mormonism, some people go to smart recovery, um, what have you right? Like if, if you can find that spiritual connection that allows you to change your life, more power to you, many blessings. Um, but you know, um, it, this, and I'm on here talking about it today cause it works for me. But the, the reality is that even if you took all those people who found Jesus, who went to smart recovery, did 12 step, right? Like if you put all of them together in one big group, that's still only a tiny fraction. Oh yeah. Cause like, what oh, yeah. is it? Like 11%, like somewhere between like eight and 11% of people, uh, have some kind of substance abuse disorder. Right.
0: Like, or, addi- or addictive behavior, addictive yeah. behavior of some kind. Not, as, not even with substance, right? Like you'd be with, it could be with compulsive uh, behavior, yeah.
1: gambling, sex, yeah. you know, debtors, shoppers, whatever, dude. I mean, yeah. but like, you know, but like when you look at like the, you know, so let's call it one out of eleven people right that's about nine percent of the population you know is one out of is one out of every 11 you people people you meet in the fucking program
0: no no <laughs> no not even close no not even close and and um you know that's why that's why it's a miracle right right if we forget if we forget that like it's easy to forget. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to forget when when life happens.
1: It's easy to forget. So, yeah, dude. Yeah. But that's, but yeah, I think that's you know, I mean, I think that's that's kind of my story. You know, I mean, as far as like you know, I mean, the only other thing I could say is like really like you I was know.
0: about I was about to ask. Yeah, I was about to ask as we wrap up the show. Is there is there a, a nugget of information? A nugget of of hope or, or, or um, wisdom that you would like to drop on the listeners here before we wrap it up?
1: I mean, in the words of, in the words of my sponsor, work the steps or die motherfucker. Uh, (laughs) Um, I like that. I like that. Uh, but, but really, you
0: know, uh, we can make a (laughs) t-shirt. We can make a t-shirt with that. I bet, I bet you that shit would be, that would, that would sell like no other. That would,
1: that would be a good merch, but you know, um, but really, you know, I've talked a lot about that fellowship, right? And, You'll hear people say AA is full of clicks or whatever. Like, find a crew, stick with them. If you think AA is full of clicks, you're right. Go up and join one. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's it, really. Like, reach out your hand, make an effort to be part of the group. People will welcome you. F- get in where you fit in and enjoy the ride.
0: Yeah. And never forget, too, that like every one of those people at one point or another felt like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. They felt yeah. exactly like you. Sometimes yeah. it's probably felt worse than you, too. Oh, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. So, well, cool. Th- thank you, Dom. I appreciate you uh, hopping on the episode. And, um, you know, I like to end every episode with this. Yeah. No matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, you are lovable and you are forgivable. So keep that in mind. Keep your head up and keep it moving. Peace.
1: Peace. All right. I don't know. I do